Hi everyone, this is the Shop Store Podcast, episode 13 of season 3. As always, I'm going to start by introducing my two co-hosts. Joey, how's it going? I'm good. Robin, how are you? Not too bad, thanks. And Brian, how are you? Good, mate, yeah. It's been a while. It yes. has. So, my name's Robin, uh, everyone. Thanks for joining the show, and it has been a couple weeks since we did a show. Um, it's probably been a month. Yeah. No, no, it's been three. Close well, to. Because we, uh, we, it's we been did. a while since the three of us have done one. We did the guest, the last guest show. That's right. Yeah. yeah. With uh, with, with Jim. Jim. Yeah. That was a cool show. I really, really enjoyed that show. Yep. Um, he's a. He seems like such a rad. Like he's the type of guy that I'd want to go and just hang out with and have a beer. He's just really just, cool to hang out. Just with. tire kick in his shop. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing since since we've we had him on the show because I'd been following for a while, actually quite a while before we had him on the show. I started looking at his pieces a lot more when they pop up on Instagram and I've got this like new um, appreciation for them yep. now that um, I've had a chat to the guy and, and talk, heard his story. So yeah, I guess we should start with catching up then. Um, yeah. Who's going to go first? Brian, I saw a very interesting thing on your Instagram with like, it was like a, a, a it looked like one of your star maps panels. Oh yeah. 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 Sheet. With, but with like just a square sheet. Yeah. What was that? Yeah, that's a lid for one of my um, jewelry boxes that I'm doing for for a client. So I finished one of those last month or the month month before maybe. This year is just a blur to me, but okay. um, <clears throat> yeah, it's another another jewelry box. So the star map located to the client's birthday and yeah. Is it going to have a secret compartment like the other one? Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. same thing. So I'm going to change a little bit about the position of the magnets and the strength of the magnets and just try to fine tune it but mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty much identical to the last jewelry box awesome yeah. that's a cool little um, cool little difference for that kind of niche market of new parent where you can put the secret message in for the kids yeah. down the track mm. yeah it is I like that and that's uh, Tazzy Blackwood so yeah I've had a fair bit of having barely used it in the last God, how long have I been in business 10 years, nine years. Having barely used it, I'm not using it. <laughs> I've had like three or four pieces in a row out of it. Because you said you really liked it, didn't you? It's so really it nice, yeah. Mm. It's definitely, a, it's a different timber to use. Like the characteristics of it are really unique. Like it's a lot softer than many other Australian hardwoods, but it's kind of gummy as well. So you could have super sharp planar blades um, sandpaper burns on it really easily. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Slow your sander down, go through the grits, um, or use a card scraper or something. But, um, but yeah, it's a really beautiful timber and it's properly iridescent. Like when the light catches it, it's got a real depth to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. And that's, that's all the hydro wood stuff, the stuff that's salvaged from the bottom well, of the lake. The, the Blackwood's hydro wood as well? Yeah, Blackwood's hydro wood. Oh. Does that, that like, double be, the price for Blackwood then? It's, it's actually not. No? Um, it used to be. It feels as though, I don't know how they deal with stock levels and things of, of the <coughs> of the hydro wood, but you it feels really as though... You can't really rely on a supply chain for that. <laughs> it's, it, I tell you what, that when I go to a timber yard, um, so I get mine from uh, Whelan's in um, Port Melbourne, they've actually always had it in stock, hmm. and they have multiple sizes... And it's been reliable, whereas other places where I've been going to get it haven't had it. So, yeah, I don't know. And the price used to be a lot higher than just 
normal standard Tassie Blackwood and now it feels as though they've sort of levelled out a little bit <laughs> um, and then you get the story about it's come from the bottom of a lake which clients yeah. tend to like yep yeah but um, yeah so that's the same timber that I used for my tambour cabinets, which, which I was going to ask about, are finally done and under blankets in my workshop now until I can yes. legally install them. Oh, shit. Uh, yes, of course. <laughs> it's very frustrating. So I'm just hoping that we don't get any crazy out of nowhere 40 degree days in, in Melbourne in the, in the so next they, month or so to cook them. They're completely done, finished yep. everything. Yeah, cool. completely done. So yeah, they came out really good. That's exciting. Um, Definitely happy that I ran a few prototypes of the corners and, and the tongues and things. I don't know if you've seen the... I did like a series of rambling long videos of it on Instagram yeah. to try to explain the process because I had gone looking for long rambling videos and couldn't find any and was sort of having to pick and choose little tips that I found online. So, you, yeah. Uh, on a slightly similar tangent, you didn't happen to catch the video from Simone Yitch. Um, with the Tambador dining table, Simone Yitch. No, probably not. That name, no. She she got. Um, I think she kind of. Wait, hang on. Mm. A tambour dining table. Yeah, I was yeah. To it is the best well. thing I've ever seen ever. It's so cool. It's uh, she wanted. She worked with the guys Adam Savage and, and the guys that tested, um, and she did a bunch of work with them. Adam and Savage she, is like the MythBusters guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so she's got a, a channel. She's had a channel for Yonks. Um, she's now working out of San Francisco, and she just does these. She's she's known for her shitty robots, which just do nothing, just for fun. Isn't stuff. her name Simone? It starts with a G. Yeah, it's pronounced Yitch. Okay, I believe that's why I didn't. I think I'm saying it right. Yeah, everyone she's thinks Gertz. Everyone tumor. thinks Gertz or something like yeah. that. Yeah, she had the brain tumor and. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so she wanted a dining table where she could have a dining table and do her puzzles as well. And so she wanted to be able to fold back somehow the, the dining table top and keep her puzzles in the, uh, in the tabletop. And so the whole tabletop is a timber door which goes underneath. And then inside it, she's got, she made all these cammed levers and stuff which lift up the inner, inner table so her her puzzles now flush at the top and she's got these big brass wheels on the side of it which bring it up and down and it sounds steampunky and weird but as a product it's just like this only product i've seen of hers that i was just like i, I would probably buy that it's just a, such a cool object and i think she could make gazillions of dollars if she could work out how to mass produce it it took her months to make it and make it work because it kept you know obviously jamming and all sorts of yeah ridiculous stuff but anyway just such an awesome use of tambour yeah to have them flat and be supporting and all sorts of all the other issues that come with that youtube but, um, did um youtube uh, recommended that to me i did right. see it in, in and it didn't it, now that you've explained it it's a very different story i'll probably go and watch it but the thumbnail didn't quite work for me yeah. so simone if, if you're listening to our show get it together <laughs> the videos are so quirky. I just watch them for just a giggle. But yeah. um, this one really stuck out to me as like, holy crap, this is awesome. <laughs> right. I will add it to my watch list. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, carry the, on. Carry but, on about uh, your work. But yeah, the tambour thing, I was really, like, as a first attempt, I was pretty happy. There's not too many things that I would have changed about it. The ability to fine tune the track, 
using the shaper definitely helped get things right and made sure there was no binding. It's a lot of work doing very fine tambour strips. I think if if I was going to do it again, I might I, like I like the aesthetic of the thin strips, but I might make them slightly thicker and change the radius of the curve. Bigger like, radius. Bigger. I had proper RSI on my wrists from breaking every edge, hand sanding every edge, mm-hmm. um, pre-finishing every edge, so that when you glue it to the canvas, it doesn't like. There was five hundred and. Was it 520 strips or something like that? That's a lot of edges. Mm. Um, So, yeah, it starts to, you know, you think, oh, material-wise, it's just, like, the material cost is just a sheet of plywood in those doors, (laughs) and then you add in the labor cost, and you're like, oh, that took me nearly a week. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, there's some things that I would change about it, but but overall, the finish is really nice, and, yeah, it slides pretty smooth. But that's very much where the value is in the time. Yeah, yeah, true, but yeah, I still can't feel my, my wrist properly. <laughs> it doesn't help. <laughs> <pay> on. <laughs> it's all very well getting the value and the payment for it, I suppose, but you'd, you'd rather be able to make like maybe another one the following week, whereas so you probably so can't really. <laughs> no, there's no way you could churn them back to back, like That's unless you had a team of of interns that were prepared to bleed and like, yeah. Yeah. I actually sanded through my fingertips and bled all over it I don't know I'm, I'm working on a on a project which is involves cutting many yes. many thin strips mm-hmm. and then and then bending them and forming a radius and doing the basic math we're talking eight to nine hundred of these hundred mil five mil thin strips and you're giving I, me PTSD here on <laughs> And when I told my wife what I was doing, she said to me, well, that sounds like a, like a lot of work for a result that's going to be, it's going to be cool. But, but as I said to her, that's where the value is. This yeah. has to be a long project. There is no way to, to quickly produce this. And, that's, and I think it's the same thing with the, the timbre doors. Did you I, have to do any specific, um, did you talk to the clients about the fact that tambour is, you know, not as easy as uh, any other kind of door. No, it was me that <laughs> pushed it. it was, so you couldn't uh, really complain and say, no. "Hey, look, I busted my balls for you. So you better no. bloody like it." <laughs> no, <laughs> I had originally designed something completely different, and it was going to be like a sort of a like a tessellated front on it. So it was going to have like a twist. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know Padula? Uh, you, yeah. you guys interviewed him before I was there. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, Nick um, has done this this uh, sort of dresser unit that you've seen yep. his YouTube where it's sort of carved out. Yeah. I was going to do a similar kind of profile, but in like hard line strips. Mm-hmm. So that there's like a diagonal tessellation across, mm-hmm. but then you look through it and you, you see you see into the cabinet. Mm-hmm. So it's just a series of strips. Ooh. And I went through about four or five different sketches and CAD models, and I just couldn't get it to the point where I was happy with it. And I went, hmm, tambour. <laughs> yeah, right. Looks simple and enough. Yeah. It's just a sheet of plywood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like when I compare the amount of time that it would have taken to have done the tessellated slats versus the tambour. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Like it's, I think it, it's a good piece. So it was, it was worth the effort. Or there's two cabinets. So, yeah. 
Have you you haven't showed off any final pictures of it? Have you? No. Oh, well, I'm waiting. It. I'm waiting to try you to want get it on the wall. Yeah. So I've got. I'm repainting the wall in the building next to me to mount it and shoot it. Right. But just trying to get a photographer and not breach COVID restrictions and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because yeah, we've had a fun month in Melbourne. I don't know if you've seen, but we are now officially the most locked down city in the world. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's Thank right. you. We've had uh, trade protests shutting down the Westgate Bridge. We've had a 6.0 yeah. earthquake. That was fun. That yeah. was. So uh, just out of nowhere, just out kick it while nowhere. it's down. Hey? Yeah. Funny thing was, the earthquake was probably the highlight of most people's week. Apart from the guy that owned the one building that collapsed from it. <laughs> that, that building got so much press coverage, it's unreal. Well, that and the bricks that came off it on the floor next to it, yeah. You it did three did hours s- away from the epicenter and none of the buildings there came down. This one building right. on Chapel Street. Yeah. It was probably due to come down, I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah. With, the, with the timbre, I noticed on one of your, what I assume is the prototypes, you did it with a sheet of plywood and it didn't have any backing on the doors. I had actually on the prototype. I just used um, I used a really strong tape, mm-hmm. yeah, duct tape, d- yeah. duct tape or something. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what I thought you'd done is you know you just when you take a sheet of plywood and you just cut thin strips into it and then like it a curve. Yeah, yeah. I assumed that's what you'd just done, and then in the later one you used the fabrics. That's why I wanted to ask. What's the? Yeah, I don't know long term whether would that just eventually split. I reckon I tell you what if it was a big enough radius you could probably get away with it mm. if it was a big enough radius and the strips were sort of wide enough that there was enough kerf yeah you you probably could get away with it but the fabric route is just so easy and fail safe yeah. like I was surprised at how how good it was like just when you got the jig and sort of laid the strips into it um, and then it was yeah just roll on the glue fabric iron it and it was good okay so it's all about that jig right because that, yeah. that was going to be one of the and the, and the ironing is, the ironing I think made a big difference as well just to speed up the cure of the glue mm. it's one of those um, tried and true things that yeah. has been around for generations and there's a reason why you keep doing it because it works yeah because um, I had wondered whether tape or a vinyl or something like that would work um, and maybe they would like depending on how you sealed the back of the timber but Do you think it just felt as though you're trying to reinvent something that doesn't need to be reinvented? Mm. Do you think you could do a tambour where you have a negative detail between each of the pieces? <clears throat> if you had like a, I'm just wondering if you were to do um some other type of tambour. Like I was thinking about intro- if you were to try to introduce color, some crazy modern color to a, a classic piece like that. Mm-hmm. If you had like a two or three millimeter gap between each of your tambour panels, and the back was say like rubber sheeting or something, yeah, yeah, and I it was coloured, and you and you'd glue it on, and you'd have these cool all these like strips, and as it goes around the corner, you'd have this bigger flash of colour as it's um, as it goes around the corner. I don't think I've ever seen that, but it just seems seems like an interesting idea where you could introduce shadows and negative details between each of the slats. It'd be a pain in the ass to glue up. But, yeah, you need to be so um, careful with the gluing process because yeah, because you'd have, you have to have spacers, yeah, and have it face down when you're gluing up, so yeah. you can't actually see the spacers. You'd have to have CNC a whole jig with all the little uh, spaces like routed out of a sheet of ply, and then just mm. put place each. Yeah. panel in and then you'd have to glue your thing on top still i think it would be an interesting look to have a have a go at yeah 
Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that'll be me done with tambour doors for the next couple of months, I would say. Yes. And with the when the the strips come around the corner, so when they're coming mm. around the radius, how are they not binding? I can't. I can't because the strip. So it's all to do with the getting the width of the strip to the depth of the tongue. Wait, so the again. so the the width of the tambour strips mm. has got to be narrow enough that it can flex around the radius. Flex around and the and the. Flex around it, yeah. No, sorry, not the strips. The strip of timber is not flexing. No, 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 no. But with the backing, like if you're looking at it in plan, that it flexes around the corner with the backing on it. Um, And then it's the width of the uh, of the rebated strip to the depth of the tongue, like the thickness of the tongue. So you Mm. want to make the strip. I I had it about one mil wider than the than the depth of the tongue. Okay. So and and as it sort of tessellates around the corner, you don't pinch. And that that tongue, is it, are the edges quite rounded? Yeah. Or does it not I need sham- to be? I, I think you do have to, okay. yeah. I had a few people asking me that. I chamfered them down pretty heavily in the end so that it was maybe only, the tongue was probably six mil and it's maybe only sitting on two mil of the tongue. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, like I reckon you could put it to a point if you really wanted, um, with it being plywood as well, it, it would probably be okay. But yeah, Do you I think that would end up gouging a, a mm. groove over time. I don't know. Like, that, like what, that, this plywood's pretty soft compared to your hardwood. Yeah, and the weight of the doors again, if they were taller and there's a bit more mass in them, yeah. these are only like two fifty or two forty mil or something like that. So there's not they're not that heavy. There's nothing. There's no weight. Um, yeah. But yeah, that definitely made a difference. Um, chamfering those edges and then also making sure that in the top track is literally just trying to keep it from moving laterally so it's not touching any of the timber in, Very the, loose, yeah. in yeah. the top of that track yeah it's like two mil shy of it yep. and then do you wax the the strip the the, yep. the runner yeah wax the track, it I considered um i waxed it and polished it and well i sanded it to about i can't remember if it was 240 or 320 but it was something reasonably high um, I considered doing a Teflon. Um, mm. I actually did that in one of my other cabinets with the sliding doors. I I put a Teflon adhesive um, tape onto the bottom of the doors and it worked really, really nicely. But mm. just with the tambour and the number of pieces, I'm like, it's bound to fail eventually. So yeah. Yeah, mm. it's just trying to make things fail safe is always <laughs> like, that's always at the front of my mind when it's doing a piece like this that, you know, it's not like a dining table. Yeah, you want it to be a lifelong piece, but maybe the client might have it for 15, 20 years or something like that. Whereas something like this, they want to last for for the lifetime of that they have it. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I did the the little dovetail track to, yeah, to be able to is- test fit the, drawer, the doors, which gave me a bit of security that when I was gluing it up, I knew that I could take the drawers back out. Really difficult, and I don't think we should even try and explain it on the podcast. <laughs> you should go dive back through your um, Instagram feed to have a look at how you managed to get the timbre door in and out without having to go through the back. Super, super easy, simple solution that I don't think anyone else has thought of. So, <laughs> kudos. Cheers. Yeah, it was. It was one of those things that when you start thinking about it, I kept changing the way I was going to do it and the way I was going to make it. Was I going to use? I think I ended up doing it just with 
I didn't do it with a shaper. I just did it with a um, hand router and a and a guide, and mm-hmm. just gradually crept up on it, and then test for the dovetail. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was a fair bit of work, and then trying to work out whether I was just going to let friction keep it in there or whether I was going to glue it in there, and yeah. I ended up going with a, a little sort of concealed brass screw. Oh yeah, cool. I was going to suggest yeah. you a magnet, even a super glued in magnet. Oh, don't worry. I thought of <laughs> completely overthought down those lines as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I just figured it's a brass screw. It's yeah. never going to be seen. So yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that's it's been a busy old um, it's been a busy old month actually. I've mm. got a fair bit on. Um, a couple of other coffee tables, doing a few uh, of my laminated plywood tables, which again, there's not that much material costing them but there's a huge amount of labor but it's kind of good that you can set it up in a workbench on the corner and just sort of glue an extra few strips up let it cure go and work on something else um it's horrendous trying to do those when you have nothing else on because there's it's literally sitting around watching paint dry um and doing some awards trophies for a client and yeah a few other few other irons in the fire so it's going to be a busy I feel when things open up in Melbourne, it's about to get crazy again. Yeah. J- Joey, you seem to just be some, there's something new every week with you. I don't know if, if it's just the way Instagram's <laughs> promoting it, but it's possible to keep up. It, well, that's pretty much how it was. Cause, uh, so it's been, it seems like it's been forever because the, um, the, I guess the last thing or the first thing that we haven't talked about is my, um, kind of weird um exploded i talked about it on the last time we had a conversation but i I made that kind of three draw um what do you call it exploded stand exoskeleton thing i did have to Um, laugh when we talked about it in the show you said oh you know i've got this idea i'm thinking of putting something and then two days later there it was yeah i was a bit shocked to see the time frame (laughs) i was already kind of halfway through bits of it when we had talked and it just kind of came together because at that time we were in hard lockdown so I had nothing better to do I was Mm. just uh, eight hours a day on that thing Um, so I think I made it in a week um, with eight eight hour days and so So, um, back to the lockdown so you're now in Melbourne stage lockdown effectively now right you can go to work yeah I can work I'm allowed in people's homes which seems odd but whatever we're um, not, but yeah. I, the only thing I can't do is leave Auckland, um, which is a whole another dilemma, completely kind of separate because we bought a new house and I can't go there. Oh, so, was, yeah, oh. I wanted to get an update on how that's going. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's a different thing. Um, so maybe I could do that afterwards. But so I made that cool thing, and, I, and with the new house, we've designed as a spot that's going to fit that little exo stand and I really it's going to be right in the middle of kind of the lounge is this little piece of wall where that's going to sit and it's going to look awesome um and we needed a dining table for said new house so I made a stupid purple heart dining table I love that thing I love it I just don't like I don't really like the purple, but um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I look at it I every morning. I'm like, it would have looked so much nicer if it was like oaky or walnutty or some <laughs> other color. But um, I, now that I've made one, I think uh, this is a whole other subject. That I think we should talk about that we've only got mm-hmm. so many hours in the day. But um, 
the sustainability of working in thick veneers like that mm. it kind of opens the sky's the limit and where you guys recently it's been announced that they're going to stop milling natives at don't, some point don't get me uh, yeah, fucking know, started on starting this. on it but that's going to change supply and probably something similar i imagine at some point it's going to get to the supply issues that we have here with natives mm-hmm. and um and then there's the problems with getting materials here into New Zealand specifically just getting things on on shipping containers is difficult and 300% price increase on shipping to get a container here um, I, I've been thinking uh, seriously about how I'm going to proceed with my business when some basic materials that mm-hmm. were relatively affordable are now like super off the limit of most people um and so i really want to look at some something where i'm going to start veneering a lot of my own stuff um and the only problem is because i want to be i want to be able to provide what i do now but um using as best i can uh, products i can get here I don't want to have to rely on an international trade as much as I have been. So I can get pretty, I can get timbers and I can veneer pretty easily. I can make my own thick veneers. Um, what so I just don't have it. To, so do people that haven't actually seen it on your Instagram, this is right. torsion box. So this is not yeah. just a straight veneer onto substrate. This is yeah. This is going above and beyond. And I think a lot of people associate. And when I first started making things as well. The association with the word veneer was a cheaper way of doing something. Yeah. Mm. And this is nothing Absolutely. to do with that. This is about, I mean, you could use Nathan Day and Daniel Poole and guys like, like real top, top Australian makers use torsion boxes so they can get outrageous spans in their tables because they're yeah. not sagging under the weight of the timber. That's right. And it's not a, I don't know, a one, one mil, one for less than a one mil Half veneer. A mil, this yeah. is a, this is a seriously chunky yeah. veneer that can be sanded and refinished. Yeah. So yeah. it's, I think it's a really smart, um, yeah, exploration so that I, you've done. I, I would love to do more tables in that style, but also it, what really, cause I make a lot of cabinets and I don't, I hate relying on just buying plywood from Europe. Um, and it, the price is just constantly going up. I mean, I'm, I'm looking for basic poplar plywood. I'm paying $155 a sheet, and it's like the cost of cabinets is just outrageous. Um, and the, the only my only problem is I can't get a, a, any... I can't, can't really get any plywood here that's pressed here anymore. Like, we used to have a good pine plywood, but the factories seem to have just stopped producing for, like, way back a year ago. So... Really, my only option for substrate is um, MDF, which we got plenty of. It's just a matter of if I want to, do I really want to start going down that road where I start putting um, really nice veneers on MDF? Because it throws up a whole lot of problems. MDF <laughs> is a fine is a fine um, substrate for what it is, but when you're trying to sell like premium quality stuff, it's very difficult to t- to s- tell somebody that underneath that is MDF and there's a veneer on top you just sound like Ikea but it's mm. completely different but it's very difficult to explain to somebody that what you're doing is so any, it's just a perception any thing. better yeah okay I mean I've often said to people I, I I've said to people look I can do this table for half the price if we use veneer 
and they say, oh, I'm not using veneer, it's cheap shit. Mm. And I'm like, wait, you give me like another sentence to explain yeah. yourself. Mm. <laughs> but, um, and you, when you explain to someone, hey, you know, you know that stuff you see in a, in a museum, it's been around for 400 years, it's all veneered. Why do you think it's still hanging about? Because yeah. it's yeah. being actually made properly. All the Danish stuff that people are covering, and like, it's all veneer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, mm. The substrates are usually handmade plywood, but um, you know we don't have to use handmade plywood. Well, that might get to that here, but um, and so, how how did you find it, Joey, in terms of the labour, the additional labour cost to create that um, torsion box versus the savings in material? Well, for Purple Heart, I mean it's a, it's an awful test subject. Um, mm. Any other timber, I'd say, yeah, any, any day it's well worth um, doing, going through the issue. I actually, I thought legitimately that making the torsion box part would be the big time crunch. And I made that whole torsion box glued together in about an hour and a half. And I was Shit, like... Shit, really? <laughs> I was like, oh, well, that, that's done, ticked Just off. using a dado? Just using the dado blade. I just cut yeah. all my strips, cut them all to the same length, and then I just started, I clamped them together and just went through the, on the sliding table saw, just dadoed them all. Um, once I had my dado blade width dialed in, it was just a matter of just making all the cuts. Um, and they just snapped together, put some glue in there, and that was it. And was that, a, that would have been about a full sheet of plywood worth of? Yes, it was one sheet of ply. Okay. So that, that was $155 worth of ply. Yeah. Um, and then my piece of purple heart, um, that was around three hundred something, three hundred dollars, I think I said. Mm. Um, um, complete awful stuff to work with. I mean, Jesus, never don't try and make anything with it, other than like a little plug or some little fancy, you know, tiny piece that you're putting just because you want some purple. Um, Why is that? It's, it's, it's I, I think you've said in the in the past it's very splintery and and chip. It's hard as it's it's hard, but it's not the hardest thing. It cuts reasonably well. It burns quite easily. Um, any dullness will show up. Um, heat in the drum sander will cause it to burn, and when it burns, it just goes bright purple, um, which is a pain in the butt. It does even out. Throw like I put the table out in the sun for two hours before I finished it, and it just evened all the color out. That's, that's how it works, it's photosensitive. Um, and so when you cut it, it's brown, sit it in the sun, goes purple. And so, really? yeah, uh, that's, and so it, it goes bright purple with huh. lots of sun, lots of UV. And then if you keep it in the sun, it'll go gray silver. If you keep it in just ambient light in a room, like a dining table would be, it will just darken, the purple will just darken and become richer and it will become a much like an aubergine color. Um, get, it gets quite dark um, but it retains its purple colour um, it's kind of like cherry does that as well and Iroko same kind of photosensitive timber um, but the grain and purple heart is like so interlocked like it's like you hear about interlocked grain but this stuff I mean it's not it doesn't even have a direction it's just it seems like it's up and down and backwards and you, you don't even want to put a hand plane near it have um, you got a spiral thickness, no sir? you don't no i mean that would definitely have helped but from what i hear it's still not ideal i mean you can't so i think in general if you've got a spiral head a lot of people could go straight to like a sanding finish mm -hmm. 
almost almost completely finished up a, a, off a new spiral head um, but that's not the case with Purple Heart you're going to get some tear out you need to do some serious sanding and I found that sanding was what the, the best tool um, card scraper worked somewhat it's still it's, you I was getting resharpen it every 20 minutes uh, yeah I was getting tear out with this card scrapers and right. um, I would get maybe like six good scrapes and then it just starts sliding across the top <laughs> and you've got to go flatten it off and put a new curl on it you know put a new hook on it and I was like this sucks balls I'm just going to hit it with like I think I only had 150 grit sandpaper because we were in lockdown at the time so I just spent what I got I think I used um, a box full of 150 grit and, and that was it well that's why I got my <laughs> drum sander was there's a timber here in Australia Morton Bay Ash which is very much the same I have never been able to successfully thickness it and that's with a spiral well mm. It's a segmented, You're a segmented one, yeah. It's not, they're not yeah. at an angle, so it's like that. But still, never been able to run it through the thickness without chipper. And that's why I just mm. went to a drum sander. It was a mm. very expensive but completely worth it investment. Yeah, so that's my workings. I've got you, so much work coming at the moment. But you love the table, but you hate the color? Yeah, I, I, I would do some things differently. I made some stuff-ups that have... Not not reared their ugly head, but I have become aware of so mainly just my glue up. I didn't have it planned properly, and I didn't actually put glue between the joints of the veneer mm -hmm. as I put them, laid them down on the on the torsion box. I was just focused on getting glue on all the grids and getting the veneer down and flat, and I taped them together. But I didn't actually put glue in the join, and. Um, Typically, on if you're veneering to like a full substrate, you can kind of get away with that because there's Enough glue surface area, all yeah. the way down the joint on both sides. But because there's little voids, there's enough that the, t the timber can just move ever so slightly. And if you're r running your hand across it, you can just feel just the slightest little lump where today it's moved up a quarter of a mil or down a quarter of a mil on the join. And it's just annoying, but... Um, Otherwise. I like I like that you did the um, end grain veneer as well. Mm, that was a pain in the butt. I'm not, not the only person pedantic enough to do that. It's good. I, yeah. I wanted to do that from the get-go because I thought, well, should I wrap the grain around? And then it just looks, sometimes it just looks store-bought mm -hmm. if you have the grain yeah. just too perfectly wrapped. Yeah. And like so I thought, I'll make it. On. Yeah, like it, it just like looks like vinyl that's printed. just been yeah. stuck on there. And, and um, yeah, so went for the end grain and... It's a pain in the butt because <laughs> grain just sucks in glue. And I yeah. actually found, because I, I used black epoxy, I found that the black epoxy went through mm. from the inside and came out the grain, and you can't, can't sand it off because it's yeah. all, all full depth. And so there you go, your stuff. Um, Would have ended up with I a nice finish, though, on the, on the end grain. I discovered that not too long ago. Doing What's that? Take, so this is just a, a solid piece of timber for a lid. Uh, yeah. Some CA glue on the end grain oh, yeah. and then you sand mm -hmm. it off and you just get this amazing finish because it just fills all the pores that is not a bad idea actually I should have done that on the inside of those end grain veneers I should have sealed them off before I glued oh, them yeah, on that's a good and idea. then it wouldn't have had bleed through come all the way through hmm, hmm. well next time <laughs> <laughs> when it's not purple hot yeah so <laughs> and in the middle of all that we're trying to buy and we bought a house that we've never even been to 
and um, I can't go there mainly because my workshop is on one side of this Auckland border and the new house is on the other side of the Auckland border and I couldn't I can't travel for work backwards and forwards I'm allowed to travel once if I'm buying a new house I can move over the border one time and I can't right. <laughs> come backwards and forwards so my parents what, hang, on, are hang on hang on hang on hang on what if your what if your wife is the client and she's commissioned you to oh I can't go across the border for anything what I can't go across the border for work oh right okay we're stuck in Auckland we're our own little Auckland bubble we're right and so, is that um, Auckland that's Auckland metro Auckland region no the entire like from if you look at the Auckland super city map it is gigantic yeah. and it, it goes from like horse farms and cow farms to like the CBD and where's what area is the new place uh, Waipu I'm looking at oh there it is okay oh yeah cool so um, yeah so my parents are going to go to the new place and stay there and my dad is going to facilitate getting my new workshop built because I can't organize any of that. Um, and so there's all, you know, that brings up so many issues, but I'm just going to have to deal with the fact that I can't get to my new property. And yeah. um, once the workshop is ready, we will shift the workshop. And then assuming if, if there's still a border up I just won't be able to do any work in Auckland so <laughs> that's just is what it is sure so that'd be fun yeah, I, see, I see it's an hour and, hour and a half out of Auck, Auckland is that about what's right? that sorry it's about an hour and a half out of Auckland it's something like that from the CBD yeah mm. uh, I'm trying to transition my work away from right in the middle of Auckland so okay I don't want to just, just don't want to have to do the traveling if I can avoid it. If I can, there's plenty of houses going in in the area. Um, I should be able to get enough work, but we'll see. And now you've because you've bought it, you've got it. Yeah. This yep. no more money has, waiting on money contracts. Has been, or, well, the, at the moment, deposit they've got deposit, and then we're about to. I think Monday sometime next week. It's actually actual right, factual okay. getting keys. So. Okay, yeah, so it's pretty much there. Hopefully, hopefully nothing goes wrong. Vir- virtual keys game. that you can't use. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, yeah, we don't even know how we're going to get the keys. We're not allowed to touch the <laughs> land agent or whatever, so um, <laughs> it's um, oh, interesting. But, so then so, with that in mind, yeah. when's the – sorry, did you say when the move was going to happen? I don't know when I'm moving, although I've got less than a year now to build a workshop and be in because that's how long a lease I have on my the old workshop. Um, and, and they don't have afford. an end date for the lockdown? No, there's no time frames. Probably likely December, right? November, December. You're thinking months, yeah. Um, at this stage, they're saying we might drop down to a level two and a half. We're currently in like level three point seven five. Three point seven five B, Joe. Yeah, yeah. We might get there in like uh, eight weeks. Yeah. Um, mm. So maybe in the new year. But what the prime minister has said is that the borders around Auckland is going to remain, even if all the levels in the country are the same. Auckland is still going to be ring fenced. 
So, um, oh, shit. it seems like no one knows what the hell is happening. Mm. Fun times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes life interesting. On top, anyway, not the not plus side indeed. of all that is that there's so much work, it's stupid. Um, so It's, it's weird, busy. isn't it, looking back to our our first COVID podcast where we were like, mm. oh my God, how are, how are makers going to survive? How is, uh, <laughs> we're all going to uh, be on the streets. Yeah, it's interesting. It certainly is interesting. Like, I think almost a lot of what we talked about kind of happened, but then life did, just carried really on did, at the same time. It just, yeah. just normal yeah. life just had to carry on. So yeah. it has done. All the supply chain yeah. stuff came totally true. Yeah. And I look at it now and I'm getting emails from Haifali saying, you know, price rise immediate, like 7% mm. and all that. It's like, far out. When, so when, when does the price go back down? When when we get supply or, or that's yeah. it? Up no, for that's good? it. I'm, uh, my suppliers are emailing me once a month at the moment. And usually it's a 10% increase every month at the moment yeah uh, but my hardware like draw runners and everything just went up on the first year five days ago went up 15 to 20 percent and you know that's along with everything else that's just constantly going up so yeah it'll this be interesting to see what what this does going forward because i watched a really interesting video about how it, it, this has highlighted an issue with the way we do industry in the world so yep. yes, COVID kicked it off, but this is this has been a disaster waiting to happen because our supply yep. chain runs so thin. So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see how that's going to evolve and if there will be, because we've talked about this in the past about how the price won't come down, and mm. I wonder if those you know they'll keep the prices inflated because then people can hold more stock and try and fix this because everyone's going to be on edge. All the businesses yeah, that, on the I mean, this, this whole this whole subject is why I, I started thinking so deeply about how can I maintain my business if if supply supply chain issues really kick off and get worse, like something that is happening in the UK at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. If it gets that bad, what can I do to supply myself from local, um, you know, resources? And so I'm yeah. just. You know, I don't have a lot of options actually. I'm I'm limited, mm. but I, I can only do what I can do. So I'm I'm actively looking at ways to kind of bring my work into a more I hate to keep using the word sustainable, but it really is sustainable on a lot of different levels. Yeah, because it's Before not just we, a green sustainability, it's financial yeah, sustainability. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Sus- sustaining a lifestyle that is similar to what I am used to yep. as well. Yeah. Before we wrap up, you mentioned, and now this is the perfect time maybe to talk about it so we can't get too far into it, but you talked about in Australia, native timbers not being milled in. Oh, you're unleashing nope. it. So what, what, what's changed recently? Uh, well, uh, Brian will be the one to tell you, but maybe he shouldn't yeah, speak. Yeah. Um, from what I understand, and I think this at this stage only relates to Jara or is it? other species mm-hmm. most species most native all, species all, all native yeah. 
timber in so Western Australia. By what, which year? They brought it forward ahead of us. I think they're 2023, 20, is it? Like, it's not that far away. Oh, really? Only two I years think, or something? I think Victoria, when they announced it and we spoke about it on the podcast, I think they were talking about, like, 2030. So, yeah. Off the top of my head. Mm. And, um... Anyway, the plan is to severely either stop or severely limit the milling of native trees. No, it is um, definitively stop. Right. And it is it will be plantation pine only. Oh my god, really? Yeah. What is pine like that grows in Australia? Because it's bad enough same here. As, same as pine New Zealand, unless you're talking what? about like obviously there's hewn pine and what do I mean? Like our growth rings are like a you know thirty yeah. mil apart. I yeah. mean, is it, it must grow faster in Australia. Uh, I don't well, know. Well, I guess in Melbourne and Victoria it's probably. But I mean, where they're where they're talking about planting it is sort of obviously in the ring around Perth and going down to southwestern, like around Albany and and down okay. that way, which are going to be more and more prone to bushfires. And you're planting pine, which secretes turpentine. Yeah, uh, like it, it just makes no sense on any level whatsoever. And uh, we've spoken to Andy about it before, and just this whole greenwashing that's going it's, on um, with it, and people standing behind it saying this is a great green idea. You know, think about the animals, think about the native timber. It's like, are you fucking? Which like, my brain, my brain's going to that. So, yeah, but that's the but that's the natural response. And you look at the it, premier. Why is it not the right response? Firstly, because to operate any kind of industry and building um, operations in in Australia, we need either a hardwood timber or an alternative to it. Like you need to make some kind of composite, environmentally friendly composite that you can take pine, chip it and amalgamate it and make it waterproof. Well, and termite proof or something that's going to stop bugs. And fireproof. So, so we're always going to need that type of material, and the alternative to keeping our native forests intact is we're going to have to import it from elsewhere. So you're literally just taking a problem and shifting it overseas, and where it will be shifted to overseas will be the developing world, where it's but not easy to monitor these things. Because somebody who's building a house uh, is still going to want a wooden floor <coughs> or a deck or. And so where does that timber like, come from? Well, yeah. i tell you what, here, if, if uh, our authorities want some outdoor timber that they want to last forever, like on power poles, they use Purple Heart. And that comes from South America, and God knows how it's being milled. Yep. Um, okay, but houses are still being built out of pine at the moment. So I, I agree with you, the floor, that's fair enough if you've got a stud, big Stud framing is being, yeah. But your 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 frames are still pine, so the percentage of that floor is such a low amount compared to the rest of the house. And I don't know if this is, if this is, this might be fairly naive to say this, but I have hoop pine flooring. Now, would that be a different type? That's not the type of pine that they're going to grow. I would assume. Uh, plantation pine. I think there's about five or six different species that they're intending on planting. I'm sure some Typically of it will it's be. Radiata. Will be some, but. Yeah, but some will be hoop pine, I would think, yeah. and they'll just... It doesn't make any sense when you can grow a native eucalypt species as quickly as you could grow hoop pine. 
Yeah, and why not just grow and keep growing? And maintain and biodiversity native. and all like yeah. the biodiversity is the is the key thing. You look at the forests, the plantation forests around Central Island, um Central North Island, New Zealand, and they are an environmental disaster. There's nothing there, mm. apart from yeah. blossoms. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've ever been in a pine forest, Robin, but there's no light. You don't get light through. There's no undergrowth. Yep. It's just black. Mm. There's no sun. And it's great. I mean, the trees obviously love it, but nothing else does. There's no birds, um, no ferns, no pretty much no. rodents, no, no... Yeah, it's no flowers. Yeah, so that I it's appreciate. It's, it's a monoculture. Because yeah. I, as I understand it, don't they use Tassie oak? Isn't it? A lot of framing made out of Tassie oak. Most of the framing here would be pine. Now, Most of it, yeah. Right, you still right. get structural members made out of Tassie oak, like right. um, larger posts mm. and beams and things okay. like that. Um, but yeah, a, and a or lot if you're of doing it, something architectural. Yeah, yeah, something that's exposed, but most um, most beams and things like that are now like LVL, like um, mm. manufactured beams. Um, yeah, but like we will need hardwoods, and yeah. it's fine if 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 they think that this is the best way to proceed. Okay, well, where do we where do we get hardwood or a replacement uh, material from it? And I I've heard zero. Mm. There's no answer to it that mm. that anybody is prepared to get. the can down the road. Yeah, yeah. Your Are argument you about yeah, I mean, your argument about look, we we're. Like, let's just take what we do as furniture makers. And what are, what does the government think it will happen? Do they just expect that you just go down to the <laughs> furniture shop that imports everything that's been ripped off in China? I mean, is that because they just they don't care where they get their wood? Pretty um, much. So I mean, it's just it's very close. I feel like with the information I have, it's super close-minded of the government to just to say that's it. We're not cutting our trees down. We're just going to buy them from somewhere else. That's exactly what it is. And <laughs> the feeling that I would have is that it's massively driven by a construction um, and leaning on government for cheap pine. Mm. And it's so short-sighted. Um, like, I'm a greenie. Fuck's sake. I was a member of Junior Greenpeace and all that kind of stuff. Like, I <laughs> like animals. I like trees. I donate 1% of everything that comes into my business to planting more trees. But how people are brainwashed by this into thinking that this is a sensible, sustainable idea is just beyond me. And I'm happy to talk. If anybody wants to DM me and ask me for for scientific papers on it, I've got lots of them and I'll, I'll send them all on to you. Because, yeah, it just makes no sense. They're presumably, presumably going to have to expand on the plantations as well, right? Expand to, to keep what? up with the demand. Expand well, they don't the have plant. any, do they now? Or? No, they, well, their plan is to plant them on cleared land. So on, on okay. they're not going to, yeah. But it's it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, makes no sense. It's interesting, and it still takes time for those for those trees to reach maturity. Well, so I'd say, I mean, all you have to do is look at where we are in New Zealand. Mm. Um, yes, a whole crapload of it was clear cut, mm-hmm. and it was milled originally super badly but now and the knock-on effects of that are that there is ridiculously limited supply and almost really no native timber available i mean it's it's available but it's it's not really it's not really um yeah you wouldn't be able to say to a client uh you know i, I make remu dining tables because no. the, the price fluctuations and availability would be 
Yeah. Well, in my whatever, 10, 11, 12 years of making furniture, um, I've, I've never seen a consistent supply of Rimu. Uh, up until like this year, I was told that my supplier had a warehouse full of it. And it was that's the first time that I've been aware of that I could probably safely tell a client I could source it. Um, and so that, I'm not sure why that is. Maybe, you know, oh, there's a bunch of windfall or there was a bunch of selected trees that needed to come down, but that's just the nature of how they're doing it here. Otherwise, the only thing available here is pine, which is just turns into spaghetti as soon as you, you know, take it out of any kind of packing straps that it's under. So, mm, yeah. yeah. No, it's you've a, definitely, you've unleashed the beast, Robin. You just made me angry again. <laughs> it's just literally politicians just playing a popularity game. That's all it is. Mm. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad I asked because I, you've mentioned this before, Brian, and I've never actually asked the question why because as someone who doesn't know enough about it, my first response is, yeah, um, you know, save we're going to save the koalas doing this. Yeah, yeah save yeah. the trees and then I'm going to not have any timber to do anything with. <laughs> <laughs> or worse than that, as you say, we're going to you know, flatten um, more area Presumably, for those there trees. must be a whole crap load of timber that is, like, it, a supply chain doesn't just stop. There's going to be years' worth of timber around. I think you'll just see the gradual price go up as supply yep. um, is removed. And then, so the problem with the plan is that you, no one's going to see the full effect of it probably for five to ten years and then there's gonna it's mm. gonna dry up and people are gonna start saying how come i can't get a gum mm-hmm. floor for my house now i've got yep. to have like vinyl mm. on particle board or some bollocks yep um and that's and where oh shit we should have started planting trees 20 years ago yeah. oh we've got to import it from china oh the price of oil is just quadrupled yeah. oh that means my vinyl mm. kitchen is now going to cost me more than a tasmanian yep. oak one would have done yeah, it's oh god, that's a whole different scenario. Oh. <laughs> yes. All okay, right. we'll call we, it here. We are, over, <laughs> we're gonna... we are over time. We've got to stop. <laughs> okay. Maybe we should yeah. have waited. All right, so to everyone watching, Rant over. <laughs> to everyone watching, uh, if you did enjoy the show, please go ahead and give it a rating on iTunes. It really does help us out. Shop Store Podcast is available on most podcast apps. Uh, Joey and Brian, thanks again for hanging out, and we'll see you guys next time. See you guys. Cheers, fellas. See ya.